So I like to think about the way that my grandparents used to eat and if they didn't eat it then I maybe shouldn't be eating it so if you think about all the things like processed foods chances are grandparents did not eat that way back in the day whoever said life is short wasn't trying hard enough welcome to dead set on living a lifestyle podcast that takes you off the beaten path of health and wellness and highlights unique ways to live a longer stronger and more fulfilling life now, here's your badass host who once fought a bear on the mountains of Corsica, Lynn Bravo. Welcome to another episode of Dead Set on Living. I'm your host, Lynn Bravo. I'm very pleased today to have with us Sarah Brunt. She's a holistic nutritionist from Burlington, Ontario. Well, Thankfully, she's back in Burlington, Ontario. She just came back from being out west in Squamish, BC for a year, and we're very pleased to have her back again and like to welcome you tonight. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thanks. So uh, what I'd like to ask you, Sarah, is, is first about, it's interesting to hear about your background and your education in nutrition because there's nutritionists that are trained sort of classical mm-hmm. nutrition, and then you've taken a program and become certified as a holistic nutritionist. Mm-hmm. So could you maybe explain for us the difference between a holistic nutritionist and a nutritionist? Yeah, definitely. So I'll chat first about kind of the program that I took. Um, so this one is a little difference, different in the sense that it is a holistic nutrition program. So there is a huge focus on looking at the individual holistically. So not just looking at what they're eating, but also their lifestyle, things like sleep, exercise, and those kind of things and how they play into their current state and their health, as opposed to just what they're eating. So with the program that I took, um, it's a year long. You could do part-time over two years. You also do a co-op as well. And we take courses such as uh, biochemistry, body metabolism, physiology and anatomy. So there are a lot of science components in addition to some of the nutrition courses. You do get a well-rounded education in terms of nutrition, but then it's nice too because you do focus on some of those other pieces. They do tie in things like um, Ayurvedic medicine. We do courses on comparative diets. So we look at all the different diets out there, things like the keto diet, plant-based diets, and we look at the pros and cons to each Mm -hmm. um, and who they can benefit. So the other alternative is kind of the classically trained nutritionist, and that is typically done through a university program. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of those nutritionists go on to work in a hospital setting, whereas holistic nutritionists you'll find more so in private practice. So they could be in private practice with uh, medical doctors, with naturopathic doctors, or they could be in clinical practice by themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's Mm -hmm. a good explanation. That, That being the case, I just wanted to mention that in Canada, we recently had the Canadian, uh, Canada Food Guide changed from sort of a pyramid type of food guide to uh, I guess they show it as a plate with just having lots of fruit and vegetables some grains some protein etc it's a little bit more vague in its in its approach so I, I guess you probably think that's an improvement over what it was um, and uh, but I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are about the new Canada food guide and, and how is this a good information source for us to understand how we need to feed ourselves mm-hmm. I definitely think it's come a 
long way. And I do think the changes that most recently happened are beneficial. Um, We saw things like dairy being removed as one of the necessary food groups, which means you don't actually need dairy as a part of your everyday um, eating style. And I think we all know that. So it's nice to see that the food guide is reflecting these changes. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also nice to see that the way they laid it out in a plate style, I think that's easier to understand. But I do think there are a lot of changes that still need to come, Um, specifically looking at some of the sources of the foods that the food guide talks about. So they do lay it out with a plate style and it kind of tells you the things that you should eat. But I think they could go further in looking at, um, for example, some of the sources of fats that you could eat. I think they could go further in looking at what we consider a good type of fat and what types of fat you maybe not so much want to avoid, but maybe just limit your consumption of. Okay. Well, since you've brought that up, uh, anyone who's been listening to these podcasts will know that I've done, I guess it's three podcasts now with Paul Beatty, who's, uh, I would say is Canada's leading authority on essential fatty acids. So he's given us a really in-depth view of, of, uh, of fatty acids and so on. But could you perhaps explain to us what your, your thoughts are with regards Mm -hmm. to what are healthy fats? What kind of fats Mm -hmm. should we include? And, And maybe just a brief mention of some of the ones we should avoid. Yeah, I love healthy fats. I think everybody should be eating fats. And I think these days there's a little fear around eating fat. So I think it's important to kind of highlight those healthy fats, highlight what you should focus on. Um, So this could be things like you'll see a lot of people, they'll go for olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, but I think also focusing on the whole food sources of the healthy fats. So things like olives are just as good as olive oil. Um, Same with avocados. We've got nuts, we've got seeds. There's endless opportunities and options for healthy fats in terms of things that you want to avoid I would probably say the number one thing at least for me that I focus on is um, processed vegetable oil so things like soybean oil canola oil uh, modified palm oil and it would actually surprise you how many things these types of fats are in like they're in everything I know yeah if you read a label of any processed food Mm -hmm. I think there's one of those so surprising sure Can I ask you about healthy fats as it relates? Uh, you've, you've sort of helped us all out with the vegan and vegetarian mm-hmm. population. Uh, maybe just some thoughts about fats as it pertains to animal source fats. Definitely. Because, because uh, you know, again, it, it's important that you, you are uh, aware of what you need to watch out for mm-hmm. if you're going to consume yep. animal fat. Yeah, I think that's a great point. One of my favorites would probably be grass-fed butter. Um, and grass-fed ground beef is one of my favorites or just beef in general. So if you look at studies that actually compare um, grass-fed beef to just conventional raised beef, which is typically fed some sort of a feed like corn or soy, um, there's tremendous differences in terms of the fatty acid components, especially when you look at omega-3s and omega-6s. And in today's society, we tend to eat a lot of processed omega-6 fatty acids. Um, So we want to really focus on bumping up those omega-3s so grass-fed beef is a great way to do that okay yeah, yeah. so I, w- I would say that again just making sure that the animals whose fat you're consuming and it could be eggs as yeah well, exactly example, eggs are awesome you just want to make sure that they're pasture fed is uh, certainly not factory farmed uh, mm-hmm. like you you would see a lot of meats and and animal products um, and making sure that they're grass-fed uh, it, it can be a little tricky finding that with certain foods Definitely. I was very excited to find grass-fed chicken last week Mm-hmm. because it's the one thing I could never find was grass-fed chicken mm-hmm. well, and by grass-fed they mean pasture yes. obviously they yeah. don't eat the grass <laughs> but um, I found a farm that 
that actually free ranges her chickens and she and and so they eat all what they what they would by nature so they're eating insects and bugs and worms and things and and she doesn't give them grain at all and doesn't finish them with grain so uh it was and and i tried the out some of their products and it was delicious like Mm -hmm. it just like the difference between grass-fed beef and you can tell farmed beef that has corn finish like there's no comparison mm-hmm. between the two and the same I found with the chicken. So that, so again, the point being is that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to find these things sometimes in your local stores, yep. but you know, I'm encouraging people to try and buy local, like go mm-hmm. look for your exactly. farmers. It's they're out there. Out there, there yep. are people, they, they're made, they, this is a very small operation, but you know, she produces a reasonable amount per year mm-hmm. of her product. And, and uh, it's cool to know that, that you can go out there and get good quality fats from animal sources as well as vegetable Definitely. sources. Yeah. One of the things I'd like to talk to you about is is how we go about deciding what it is that's going to be nutritionally beneficial and good for us as an individual. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you and I have talked about this before, but, um, you know, we want to try and give the power back to the mm-hmm. people, the individuals, to be the the, the, the people that are going to research and, and look at, at how their, their bodies are reacting to their food and so on. So you're, you're working over a period of time to try and find out what is the optimum, the optimum diet for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, some of us may fare well on keto or paleo mm-hmm. or vegetarian or vegan, but um, could you maybe talk to us a little bit about how do we go about by taking back that power of, of, of deciding how we're going to eat and how we can sort of assess and, and analyze what's good for us and what seems to be working well and, and try and come up with a good eating plan that's going to help us thrive. Definitely. So I think you started off great there in the sense that there is no one-sized-fits-all approach for everyone. We're all different, um, and we're all going to need to be eating different things in order to feel our best. So I would encourage people to do their own research and not take everything they hear for granted. So just because somebody else is out there and they're doing great on keto or they're doing great on a plant-based diet or whatever it might be, that might be great, but it doesn't mean it's for you. It doesn't mean that you're going to do great on it. And if you give it a try and you're not feeling great, that's okay. It means that you should probably try something else um, until you find the thing that you feel great, whether that's keto or intermittent fasting or whatever it might be. There's nothing wrong with those things not working for Mm -hmm. you. And I don't think you should get discouraged if they don't. And I think you just need to focus on listening to your body, looking at how you're feeling and how your body is reacting to that diet and making your adjustments from there. So just because it works well for somebody else doesn't mean it has to work well for you. It really just depends on how how your body feels and you want to focus on what makes your body feel best. Mm-hmm. Okay. So could you perhaps share, how might we do that? Like, would it be, could we use like an elimination diet process where we really uh, simplify our diet to a few things mm-hmm. and then you work with that for a period of two or three weeks and then you start adding in things one at a time and then just, because during those first few weeks, right, you, you're going to get really in tune with how you're feeling because you're going to be clearing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you stop eating dairy and gluten and yep. and the grains and all that sort of thing and you're 
maybe just down to basic vegetables mm-hmm. and some 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 fruits that aren't high in sugar, like some of the berries and that sort of thing. So if you simplify your diet and some good fats, yeah. uh, because generally most people are okay with those things, when you sort of you come to a baseline, shall we say, of how you're feeling, mm-hmm. then you can start introducing things back in. So could you maybe s- tell us how that might might look? So are we just doing one thing at a time, and how long would you eat uh, that food before you could determine whether it was a positive or negative effect and how you know so how Mm -hmm. how would we go about doing an elimination yeah I think you laid it out perfectly there so I like to think about the way that my grandparents used to eat and if they didn't eat it then I maybe shouldn't be eating it so if you think about all the things like processed foods chances are grandparents did not eat that way back in the day Mm -hmm. Um, so if you were to look at a plate what I like to focus on is a good source of protein a good source of healthy fats and then some non-starchy vegetables I think that we get a lot of carbohydrates these days especially the refined carbohydrates so focusing on veggies that are non-starchy I think is a good way to start so Mm -hmm. that could be things like broccoli it could be cauliflower it could be um, some really good salads just depends on what your kind of preference is and then building out from there so I think to with an elimination diet you want to do that for at least two to four weeks and kind of give your body time to clear out whatever was there before and really just adjust to eating in this certain way and see how you feel and then again like you said you've got this baseline then you can start introducing things you can shift to a higher fat if you want to try keto you know you can go from there and then you'll really be able to see how your body is responding and how your body's feeling on that diet. Okay, that sounds good. Hey, do you have you had any experience with food sensitivity testing? Because I had that done mm-hmm. several years ago. I found that really interesting. Like it, I had to actually that I don't know if it's different now, but that blood sample had to be sent yep. to a U.S. lab mm-hmm. in order to get my food sensitivity mm-hmm. readings. And I feel like it was like almost three hundred foods they test. Yeah, and I found that really valuable because. It made so much sense, actually, when I look back and and saw some of the foods I had sensitivities to. Mm -hmm. um, I was was actually aware that I had it, but I just wasn't conscious of it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I I knew, like, almonds, for example, are are one of my sensitivities, but I love almonds. Mm -hmm. And so I would just eat, you know, handfuls of them because I love them. But but I was getting, uh, you know, skin issues, like sort of little breakouts with skin, like almost... um, eczema type of breakouts Mm -hmm. and so on and I was eating drinking almond milk and so it wasn't and the food sensitivity doesn't mean I can't eat almonds it's just that I introduced them in too big a way almond butter almond milk almonds I was eating too much of it and that that so you know I've learned now that I can have some almonds and almond products but but uh, I just shouldn't overindulge mm-hmm. because I have a sensitivity to it. So have you had experience? I with have. I have done customers? a food sensitivity test before. Um, so you can do food sensitivities with naturopathic doctors and you can also do them with holistic nutritionists. Mm-hmm. So it depends on, there's different profiles that you can get, which is kind of nice. So they have um, a basic, which I think tests 120 different foods. Mm-hmm. You can get one that tests 180 different foods and they also have um, ones that focus on vegetarian or plant-based diets. So if you eat a heavily um, plant-based or vegetarian style diet it has different foods that you might not see in the diet of somebody who eats um, more meats and things so you'll see things kind of like tapioca things like that that are more common in uh, vegetarian style foods 
So it's nice that you have the three different profiles there to pick from, but it's exactly like you said, it'll lay out the foods and it'll kind of show you which foods your body's not reacting to at all. Mm -hmm. It'll show you which foods your body's reacting to a little bit. And then it'll show you kind of the foods that your body's reacting to a lot. And like you said, it doesn't mean you can't eat those foods, but those are the foods that you probably want to limit your consumption of, Mm -hmm. um, especially if your body's reacting to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the goal over time is hopefully if you kind of reduce your consumption of them, your body's not going to have that same reaction and you should be able to eat them in moderation Mm -hmm. again without that reaction right okay good the other thing that I'm experimenting with shortly that I can't wait is you know when you have uh, the blood the the finger prick tests for Mm -hmm. blood for glucose levels in your blood um uh, I, I wanted to to try something like that with with you know I'd eat a meal and then test and try and keep track of my my glucose levels in my system and uh but I just couldn't see myself pricking my fingers mm-hmm. that many times because I don't it's like needles easy. For, or anything sharp like that. So I, I just didn't do it. But um, I'm actually going to get a, a, a glucometer. Is it called glucometer? It's mm-hmm. the one where you wear around your, your upper arm yep. and it actually punctures in. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's always reading on all the time your blood sugar level. So if you eat a meal, you can actually just look at your arm and read how your body's reacted to that meal. And and if it's, you know, if your blood sugar levels are fairly stable, that you, you know that everything you ate was was probably mm-hmm. pretty good. It didn't cause spikes in your in, in your readings. But um, but if you did get a, a spike in your reading, then you can uh, next time eat one of those, like break it out so that you're eating just, like say you had rice and vegetables and, and uh, uh, you know, whatever, just a mixture of rice and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Well, you could start eliminating everything and then maybe you might find out it was the rice that was causing the spike because I remember reading the book called the individual individualized diet and he was explaining from their research the two doctors that wrote the book that not uh not everyone would react to rice for example Mm -hmm. it might not spike the glucose levels in everyone some it may some may not some people could have a beer and it might spike Mm -hmm. it and others won't so we are literally totally individual on how so we true. react. So how else can you find out what you're reacting to if you're not actually monitoring the blood sugar mm-hmm. levels? So I think I, I'm so excited. To I'm try excited that for you to try that. Probably too. a whole bunch of surprises, and I hope Definitely. they're not. I hope they're all good surprises, and uh, because I'd be very sad if I couldn't have a beer now and then. So I'm going to be looking at at having one of those installed. <laughs> sometime soon and I'll report back how that goes but I think it's really cool because it's a a really excellent way of measuring your body's reaction to different foods and and we've talked uh, in the past about um, our ancestors diet right like how how it can be uh, unlikely that your body's going to do well on certain diets if your ancestors ate a certain Mm -hmm. way because because there is a certain sort of genetic predisposition to foods Mm -hmm. that you're going to do well on so so that's I think we've talked about this in the past when it came to becoming like I w- became a vegan for 14 years, but I'm Irish background. So it doesn't necessarily bode well when my my ancestors mm-hmm. were eating a lot of organ meat, for example. And suddenly I'm not eating, I'm just eating beans and lentils. Yep. And, and I didn't fare well on that over time. Like I was okay for quite a long time. But it was like over time, your body is not getting what it needs mm-hmm. from from the genetic aspect of what your body type is. And so, um, you know, I felt optimized when I reintroduced back mm-hmm. in some animal products. But it's really neat that you can sort of track all these things mm-hmm. and see what's going to work well for you. 
I'd like to go to intermittent fasting because mm-hmm. I'm a big proponent of that. And you're right, it's not for everyone. And even when we did we did a podcast about intermittent fasting, we'd be very clear that there's certain people that shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then some people may not, not thrive on it and then mm-hmm. they might have to find some yeah. other way of, of eating. But what do you tell your um, clients about intermittent fasting and do you suggest it as something for them to try? I think intermittent fasting is great. I work with a lot of younger women. Um, so intermittent can be a, fa- a problem for younger women when we look at hormones, um, especially the menstrual cycle. So I am careful when I do recommend intermittent fasting. But what I do is if I'm going to recommend it, I start with a, a wider window and then we slowly shorten or bring back that window. So they make small changes over time so they can really see how their body's adapting. Um, because like we've talked about before it's different for everyone Um, say for example if you are under a lot of stress intermittent fasting can be another source of stress for your body so Mm -hmm. it might just compound that stress Um, so again yeah it's not something I work a lot with especially with the type of clients that I work with uh, in regards to hormones especially too with uh, women who have a history of disordered eating I think you have to be really careful with intermittent fasting. It can lead to binge eating. So I'm careful in that regards too. But I have seen some people have some wonderful results on intermittent fasting. I don't think we need to be eating all day long every day. Um, And again, I think you got to look at what works with your lifestyle. Um, And if, you know, for a lot of people, intermittent fasting does work well with their lifestyle. I mean, we're all busy people. So sometimes it is hard to get meals in and shortening that window can definitely help. Yeah, it's not something... I did as a younger woman, um, but you know, the, the horses left the barn yeah. for hormones <laughs> for me. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, maybe that's why I'm finding it yeah. works really well for me because uh, I really do. It, it was very transformational for me to start and it intermittent is for a lot fasting. Of people. But, but I agree, like I'm almost 62, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, it, it, I am in a different place in my life and I get that you have to be careful when yeah. you're younger and, yeah. and certainly you wouldn't want to encourage, like you say, people with eating disorders or pregnancy and all yes, that Yes, exactly. Thing. That's yeah. a prime yeah. example. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it can't work for younger women. I think you just have to be conscious of what you're doing and just be careful with that window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I feel like one of the things that is missing in a lot of people's uh, life when it comes to the how they eat and so on is being more mindful about eating. Because mm-hmm. as you were talking about earlier, if you start becoming more observant and listen to your body, you know, it, there's a lot of wisdom in there. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and watching and feeling uh, actively, uh, you can learn an awful lot about what's going to work well for you as an individual. So mindfulness, which is, you know, a real common word these days, but, but as it applies to nutrition, I think it really, there is a lot of value in, in considering including that in your eating patterns, because it just fine tunes your sensitivity to mm-hmm. your body and what's working well. Would you agree? I would agree hundred yeah? percent. I think mindful eating is great. I think it's the way to go. And I think a lot of people do need to pay attention to the way that they eat. So when we talk about mindful eating, we're talking about things like not having the TV on during dinner time, actually sitting down and looking at the food that you're eating and paying attention to how much you're chewing it. Um, not being on your phone, kind of not eating in, in times of high stress when you're on the go and you've got lots of things going on. Um, it's also paying attention to your hunger cues. Are you actually hungry or are you just forcing yourself to eat? If you are hungry, are those true 
hunger signs or do you need to drink some more water you know there's so many different ways that you could go with mindful eating and I think it's got a lot of benefits for not only just how your body will digest food and how you'll feel but there's studies that have been done that look at what happens to a family when they actually sit down and eat dinner together and they're not watching tv and they're not eating on the go Uh, when you look at how well those children do they do so much better in school um, especially when we're looking at going on to post-secondary school there's a higher chance chance of them going further when families actually sit down and do something as simple as eating dinner. Wow, that's mm-hmm. so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I think that also includes, like we talked earlier about, be contemplating where your food comes exactly. from, right? Like yep. as well, just being very conscious and aware. Like I know, I know I, I'm sort of, I, I amuse certain family members because I'm always saying, oh, and it's organic, you know, if I, or I'm bringing you some, some strawberries and they're organic. <laughs> it's true but it's it's like it's just it's just I work so hard to be conscious of where everything Mm -hmm. I put in my mouth comes from right so so that I'm trying to pick the best it's it's the best you can find and the best you can exactly right and obviously not everyone is going to be able to get pasture fed or organic foods but but being aware and trying to get the best you can and 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 even if, uh, for example, like it doesn't necessarily have to be organic, but you can, if you can go out, if you live in town, you know, go out into the country and drive mm-hmm. around. Like if you go around Burlington, there's all kinds of places that sell berries, for yep, example, the raspberries. Farms and they're not shops. organic, but they're not sprayed either. It's just, you know, it costs money to exactly. get the organic certification, right? So a lot of these farms can't afford or just mm-hmm. don't want to go through the process of, of what it takes to become certified organic. But their food, all the food they're growing is organic. So you can, and they're, reasonably priced like I know there's a place up on Walker's line you can go and get like a big flat of raspberries either picked or you can get them cheaper still picking them yourselves and they don't use any sprays or anything so it's like the modern day hunter and gatherer right like instead of going out exactly hunting my 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 bison I'm going out and driving around looking for a local raspberry grower Mm -hmm. so I can hunt down the elusive organically grown but not certified raspberry (laughs) I think you appreciate the food more too when you go to that effort and you know where it's coming from and you've talked to that farmer and and and, and, you know not everyone has the time and you can buy them pre-picked but I love that experience of picking the food if Mm -hmm. you've got the time or inclination and and especially if you even if you don't have children if you go find some nieces and nephews or somebody's friends and take your kids (laughs) like it's so fun to go picking and and uh, and and enjoy that experience of gathering your food with uh, with others so yeah the next thing i thought we could chat about was uh i feel like a lot of people when it comes to nutrition they're worried about trying to lose weight they feel like they're overweight they've got some you know belly fat or or they've just are, are, are overweight and they and they get really hung up on focusing on losing the weight and I wonder if that's maybe not a great way of, of looking at the problem. Um, and also we have people who are eating really, really poorly and, and we have people who are skinny fat, mm-hmm. right? Like I do know a few people like that where they're as thin as a rail, but they eat terribly poor, poor, poorly with lots of processed food and lots of soft drinks and so on during the day. Is there another way of looking at that perhaps that might be more um, inspiring or, or help people move out of out of that that I don't know, I guess I find that people can get really discouraged quickly, right? When they're just focusing on their weight all the time. So I like to, when I'm working out and, and eating and so on, try to focus more on just what you're seeing in the mirror. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, 
it's true. With your little muffin tops yep. hanging over your 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 Lululemon tights, you know that there's a problem there. So it, instead of getting hung up on the scale and so on, would you agree that it's sort of better to look at trying to build lean muscle and and that whole idea of just toning? Because I found that that you know over the last year, for example my body composition has changed mm-hmm. quite a bit, yep. but my weight hasn't. Yep. Not much, like maybe three pounds different, but I do feel and look better, I think, because things have shifted and it wasn't because I was hanging out at the scales all the time no. after my workouts, right? Yeah, it, it's so true. I think a lot of people get caught up on weight. And like you said, weight's not the be-all, end-all. You can lose if you look in the mirror, but you might not be losing on the scale. I mean, I kind of, I was stuck on weight for the longest time back in the beginning of university and I lost 30 pounds. I ended up putting that 30 pounds back on, but in a totally different way. So I I think I weigh more now than I ever did before, but it's a total different composition. Mm -hmm. It's muscle instead of, of fat. So I think when you focus on how your body's feeling and maybe how not so much how you're looking the the look will change I think feeling is the main part and like you said developing that lean muscle mass um, and avoid the scale you know you don't have to step on the scale every day I would say every four weeks if you really want to and and then you'll actually see that change instead Mm -hmm. of looking every day and you might go up one day and then you'll feel discouraged if you go up one day where really your body just might be holding on to a little bit extra water you know it doesn't mean that much when it's up and down every single day yeah yeah Mm -hmm. okay good One of the things that I think uh, I've heard a lot of people talking about in the last few months too is, is, um, and you see it a lot at the gym or people walking in with these green smoothies and drinks. Uh, Sometimes it's juice, but it seems more often than not it's smoothies. So what are your thoughts on juicing and smoothies uh, uh, versus smoothies where where you're mixing the whole vegetable and fruit in a blender as opposed to just juicing fruit and vegetables? Uh, do you have some thoughts on that? Because I was interested in hearing what you had to say about drinking your calories in the form of juices and smoothies. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get caught up here with drinking their calories. I don't think they realize how much they're actually drinking. And, you know, you might have a smoothie or a juice as a snack. And little do you know, it could be a 600 calorie smoothie, depending on where you're getting it. Um, I used to be really into juicing. I used to love making my own juices and drinking juice. And I've kind of taken a step back from that simply because, you end up with so much sugar in some of the juices and very little fiber. And I think that fiber is crucial, um, especially when we look at diets today. Not a lot of people eat enough fiber. So if you were to swap that juice that you're having for a smoothie, that's one way where you can just bump up your fiber. Um, I think with a lot of those, you should be focusing, at least I like to focus on some of the the lower sugar fruits, like the berries. And I like to make sure I'm getting some protein and a good source of fat in there, as well as some, uh, some greens as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things about juicing is, I think I've talked about reverse juicing, mm-hmm. right? Where you, you give someone else the juice you drink off you take all the pulp and eat that instead (laughs) but uh, the problem with juicing that that my understanding is is that um, although there may be more nutrient availability for some of the nutrients Mm -hmm. when you've juiced it and the fiber has been taken out it's not the case for other things like antioxidants for example are bound to plant fibers Mm so when you juice, you're removing 90% of the fiber from the from the juice, um, and and therefore you've lost or destroyed 
the opportunity of having antioxidants in your system and so on. So that, and even with smoothies, uh, I think smoothies are better because at least you're retaining more of the beneficial plant compounds mm-hmm. in it because you are getting the fiber and the juice. But, but to me that it's just, I still feel like the whole thing's better, like I eating the whole fruit or the whole vegetables mm-hmm. better because really like juicing and, and smoothies aren't they kind of when you say they're a form of processing your food i mean the whole the whole focus is to try and eat your foods as whole Mm -hmm. as you can and unadulterated as you can like don't overcook things uh some some vegetables are a little bit more digestible you lose a bit of the nutrients but they're more digestible if they're cooked a little bit Mm -hmm. like broccoli and cauliflower often best you know steamed for two minutes and then they they're you've lost some nutrients but gained a digestibility availability and so on so i feel like minimizing what you do to the food is really important and if you take um like if you take something like strawberries and berries and so on and then whip them into a smoothie like you've broken them up into minuscule particles Mm -hmm. from eating it as a berry and I can't quote where I read this. And I don't even know if it's true, but <laughs> but I think I read somewhere that when you when you eat, say, strawberries, for example, when you eat them and chew them and swallow them, and there's still kind of a bit a bit of a chunkiness there happening as they move through into your stomach and then into your digestive system, your body is sort of slowly removing the nutrients and the antioxidants mm-hmm. and everything out of it. Uh, when you've made it into a smoothie, into such fine particles, it's it's almost like the sugar becomes super available, yeah, readily 100% available. Yeah, 100%, right. And, and the, the natural breakdown and slow release of mm-hmm. the sugar doesn't occur because you've pulverized there, yeah, there is it no into breakdown. a liquid. Yeah. So I feel as though... Uh, that really, if we look at it, smoothies and juices are, are really just maybe less harmful processed foods than some, but still processed none yeah. th- nonetheless. And we have to be aware of how our digestive system is affected by us processing our foods. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know I feel better if I eat a meal for breakfast instead of having a smoothie. I, I don't feel that full after a smoothie as opposed to if I actually was to sit down and eat all of the components that I put into a smoothie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's way more fun in my mind. To, I mean, yeah. it's so it's so nice to, 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 to sit, you know, stand up to your counter with your little thing of vegetables uh-huh. and, and chop them all up. And I often, if, if I don't really eat, well, I don't eat breakfast anymore, yeah. but when I used to eat breakfast, I would often have like some greens, some sprouts, some salad, whatever, and then just all the nice fruits and things uh-huh. on top and vegetables and hemp seeds and whatever and I'd have like a salad for breakfast basically which was was awesome but uh, now I have that for lunch (laughs) instead (laughs) and the other thing I find too is that when you make it into a juice or a smoothie don't you find it doesn't fill you like I don't find it sticks with me the same way not at all if I sit down and eat the the vegetables and fruits and I have to chew it all and and it's it's there in a mass in my belly it just doesn't seem to move through as quickly and it sticks with you longer Mm -hmm. and you don't end up eating as much because you haven't made it so easy for it to move through exactly there's something about that whole process of chewing and I think sending signals to your brain that you're eating something and that you're full instead of just drinking something back and yeah do you have any thoughts about uh i'm just thinking of this now about because if people are going to use do smoothies see i would rather have a salad and then have a you know some hemp seeds or an Mm -hmm. egg chopped Mm -hmm. up on it or something like that but if you're going to have smoothies in your in your diet 
what's your thoughts on protein powders? Because I've always had trouble wrapping my head around liking the idea of adding protein powders. To it's it's hard food. to find good quality protein powders, um, especially ones that don't have a lot of additives. And then on top of that, it's hard to find good quality protein powders that don't taste too bad. Yeah. Um, I, I've tried a ton. I've tried a lot of plant-based ones. Um, most recently, I've tried a, a beef protein. Um, that one wasn't too bad. Again, I would rather just eat the whole food. Like after a workout, I, I don't have protein powder. I don't have a protein shake. I would rather actually just eat something. Eat something. Yeah. 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 I feel the same mm-hmm. way about it too. I just can't warm up to the idea of protein powders. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we're looking at trying to to get fit and lose weight and and feel like we're healthy again we often hear about or or I think you I just feel like a lot of people uh feel like they have to uh, find the willpower the willpower to not eat all those other things that they find so delicious and 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 so there's you know people will say you gotta find you know they talk about how to build willpower and how to how to, to, to build that strength to, to not eat foods that aren't healthy for you or to eat less food and that sort of thing. And I've never really liked the idea of that concept of, of helping people to find the willpower because to me it's, it's such a negative connotation mm-hmm. really, isn't it? Because, because willpower means that you have to have the strength to not do something. And I really feel like m- the mental attitude of what you can do and being uh, sort of embracing what you is, is all the good possibilities are is a bit better mindset to have than, than finding the willpower not to eat that slice of chocolate cheesecake or whatever. So I like the notion of finding the positives in what you're doing. Like for me, you know, I, 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 I'm a little more fortunate than some because I don't have a sweet tooth. I never did even <laughs> as a kid. But for me, the idea of having some coconut yogurt with fresh blueberries on it, oh, it's like heaven. So it's it's maybe finding, you know, foods that are really healthy that you really love and enjoy and trying to, en- you know, visualize and enjoy those things and try and focus on all the positives because let's face it, there's like millions of different things you can eat that are really healthy and good for you. And there's going to be a whole bunch of things that are your favorites. So if you try to focus more on filling your plate with all these things that really make you happy and joyful for, for what you're eating, I feel like that's a better attitude to have than trying to find the willpower not to eat all the other wrong things or things that aren't good for you would you I would 100% (laughs) agree I think when we focus on on willpower it's negative it's you know you're you're looking at what you're going to be depriving yourself of it I don't have a sweet tooth either but you know if you were to tell me oh you can't have that cookie or you can't have that chocolate bar well now I want that chocolate bar because (laughs) you told me I can't have it you know what I mean whereas if I was to focus on all the things that I can have I probably wouldn't even notice that chocolate bar or that cookie you know so I think exactly what you said you focus on all the things that you can have and there's endless opportunities for healthy options out there and we just you know don't focus on all the things that you can't have we don't need that negative connotation with eating there's so many options for healthy foods and I Mm -hmm. think that you should be focusing on those endless options and getting creative like you said with coconut yogurts and berries you know what I mean that can be sweet and that can be like a dessert my new most my new favorite thing is is because I, I don't eat grains uh uh, but I, I do enjoy bread, mm-hmm. but I don't eat bread. <laughs> so that makes me sad. And so it does, it used to take me willpower not to eat yeah. bread, but now I have fat bread. 
Yeah. And, and it is awesome. Like even my husband, Warren, who I'll tell you how to make it in a second, <laughs> who, who loves bread as well and would never accept the bread substitute as being good for any sort of his cup of cola sandwiches or whatever. <laughs> he had this and he said, wow, it's totally amazing. And it's, uh, it's, not, it's not a vegan or vegetarian option. It does have eggs in it. Yep. But it's made from macadamia nuts. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, and it's macadamia, mostly macadamia nuts and eggs. Um, and there's some lemon and uh, a few other things in it. And then I put, like I made up my own everything bagel topping Ooh. and then put that all on top and baked it. And it is like, uh, it's just like, just a really good solid bread. Like you can make French toast out of it. You can make a sandwich out of it. You can use it exactly like you would any other bread, but it's better than bread. Like it's texturally better than bread. It's amazing. Um, there's a, there's a, a blogger, I guess he is Flab City, F-L-A-V. C-I-T-Y, flabcity.com, I think he is. I think he's from Chicago. But it's called, uh, if you if you Google best fat bread, it'll, it, come, it'll up. come up from this Flab City guy. And wow, it's amazing. Like, it really is great. Back to this this uh, this concept of willpower. I think the idea then is, in order not to sabotage yourself, is to try two things. One is to be prepared. Like, if you're going to find yourself in situations where you know everybody's going to be eating things Definitely. that you, you don't really want to eat, then be prepared. So if it's someone's birthday uh, at work, then bring yourself, you know, your apple in your jar of cashew nut butter, whatever it Mm -hmm. is, and have your little snack ready that you can enjoy with everyone else. Uh, So being prepared for those times where you might be tempted and don't want to be. But then the other concept too is, is to be have conscious indulgence, Mm -hmm. right? So where you're eating really well most of the time on a daily basis, but you're going to have an indulgence now and then. So if it's, if, if you just really love cake and when it's a birthday, you feel really deprived not having it. Well, you know, if you're planning for that, having that, then, then you may just call that your conscious indulgence and, and you may have, you know, adapted your, your exercise or your foods a little differently that day to, to allow yourself to have a guilt free slice of cake and not feel bad about it and enjoy the thing. So one way or the other, it's, it's just trying to look at a different way of framing your, your journey to health as far as nutrition goes and, and and not sort of feel like you're denying yourself all the time, but you have a plan in place so that you can you can enjoy your mm-hmm. your, your food process that you've created for yourself. One of the things, like I'm going to be traveling soon to go away in a couple of weeks, and um, trying to eat when you're traveling can be challenging. And I'm going to a country where you shouldn't be eating salads mm. because it's or any fruits or vegetables that might have been washed because of water issues and so on. So I, I can't even wrap my head around the thought of going for two weeks without a salad. It's like, I almost don't want to go. Mm-hmm. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> I do want to go. But um, so what, what are your thoughts about, like how can we try and keep on track with our nutrition while we're traveling and remain healthy and, uh, and still be able to enjoy ourselves mm-hmm. while we're abroad? definitely not easy and I mean I think it depends too on where you're going like you said you're going somewhere where they advise you not to eat salad so it's probably best to listen to them and not eat the salad Um, and I think sometimes we have to remember that we might be on vacation so it's okay to enjoy yourself and have fun Uh, but if you're going somewhere where you can control what you're eating like what I like to do is I like to stay in an Airbnb if I can that way I know I have a kitchen I have the option to cook I love to grocery shop in in other places I like to 
to see the options that are available, the new foods, things like that. So that's actually one of my favorite things to do when Mm -hmm. we're on vacation. Um, I also like to research healthy restaurants before I go. So I like to look up little cafes um, and kind of source out places where I know I'm going to be able to get a healthy meal that's kind of in the area. But again, realizing at the same time that if you are in vacation, it is okay to to live a little and enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to think about what I'm going to do if I can't. I'm just, my body is just so used to eating all Mm -hmm. these greens and so on. So my plan was to find a really good like spirulina, chlorella, yes, like a green powder that. Um, that I can take with me yeah. that's got all Perfect. the vegetables dried in there and you just mix it up with water. So at least uh, it may not be optimum. Nope, but, but some but is better, than, better none. than none. at exactly. all. And, uh, and again, yeah, I've been doing a bit of research to find out what to avoid and be careful mm-hmm. of in, in these areas that I'm going to so that I don't uh, inadvertently, like, uh, you know, they you say don't eat snails in this country. So Yeah, you yeah. never know. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that, trying to find out what, what I should avoid in those those countries okay I think the last thing I would like to touch on with you is is uh you know our future which is the children mm-hmm. and and uh, now that I have a granddaughter and and see how you know she's growing and changing and how she's eating and so on it really made me aware when I see other children of how important it is to start our kids off with the right attitudes towards mm-hmm. uh and uh, food um because i know from what i've seen you know like when 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 it's children like young children they just need to eat regularly all day they might have say five meals a day well that you know you may want to call it breakfast lunch and supper but the two in between meals you call snacks but you know snack doesn't mean you know some boxed processed kids food right like it, it might mean some berries and a piece of avocado and a chunk of feta cheese or whatever Mm -hmm. but you know the snacks shouldn't be poor quality foods and you don't want to give your children a taste for salts and sugars right so it should just be good wholesome food whole foods all the time no matter how many times a day they're eating but I still see I just kind of baffles me because we've become sort of more knowledgeable and educated about nutrition these last 10 years let's say since my son was uh, you know he's is 32 now and uh, uh even back when in when he was young um eating whole foods was still pretty pretty commonplace but but uh, although the processed foods was available but now it seems like you kids get separate meals like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at you know, where, where people are, even when they do it, go to restaurants or f- friends and family that have their kids, they're eating a normal good meal with some vegetables and, and perhaps a, a piece of protein of some sort, meat, whatever, and, and, uh, and some nuts or seeds or what. like they're eating really well, but then their kids got a hot dog on their plate or some noodles, you know, it's like a, some spaghetti out of a can or whatever, <laughs> like they, and, and then when you ask them, you know, why isn't your child eating your whole foods that you're eating? Well, oh no, they don't like it or they won't eat it. You know, they just won't, but they've, they've through their snacking and then eventually to the meals, they've given their children a choice Mm -hmm. of having poor quality Mm -hmm. processed foods. So because these foods are designed and manufactured to appeal to a child's palate, which means lots of salt, lots of sugar, of course, they're going to like that better. And, and it just appalls me that these poor little kids are are being, you know, from a young age of like Mm -hmm. 12, 13, 14 months old up are being taught not how to have nutritious meals, but how to become 
addicted to yeah. processed food. And they don't know any better, which no. is kind of the sad part. What is wrong with you mm-hmm. people? <laughs> I mean, I know when I was growing up, I never had the option of having a separate meal. We all ate one meal, and if you didn't like it, too bad. Yeah. That yeah. was it. You weren't eating, and you would eat because that's all you had to eat. Yeah. Um, and I, it, like, it blows my mind when you go to the grocery store. We were there the other day, and we were walking down the cereal and the granola bar aisle, and I just happened to look up at the granola bars, and there was uh, Reese's, like Reese's chocolate granola bar. So I said to my husband, Sebastian, I said to him, that's the exact same as you may as well give your child the chocolate bar at that point. Like, oh, that's, yeah. that's not a snack. Like right. you said, it's not a snack. And it's kind of scary to think that that's the way that we're we're feeding our children and we're expecting them, you know, to go to school and sit there and listen. And, you know, people wonder why we have all these issues with children. And I think looking at what they're eating is a good place to start. It really is. And and honestly, I mean, I have looked at because I have a granddaughter now. Yes. I look at I, I mean, I would never never consider buying processed food anyway but I'm just now interested so mm-hmm. I look at yep. these kids foods and like the list of contents it's in there scary. the ingredients is is terrible mm-hmm. like all these un- adulterated fats yep. and sugars and you know often the first or second ingredient is some sort of processed mm-hmm. sugar like and and the in food industry is so seductive about they trying are. to create the look on the label or the few words that they put in there because it's got oatmeal in it. Exactly. It's, that it's good for you. And they, they know all the little trigger words they to do. get mom and dad to buy those foods. But when you read the con- the rest of the ingredients, nope. holy moly, mm. it, just, it really is appalling what's in some of these children's foods. So just, you know, just like you need whole foods, so does your children. And if you can raise, and it doesn't, like my, I thought my mom and dad were pretty progressive back in the way back when uh, with me, because I mean, kids don't like everything, like your palate grows over time, but you can work with your kid a little bit. Like I didn't have a sweet tooth, so that was, was good thing, but, (laughs) but I didn't like a lot of the vegetables cooked. I didn't mind them raw. But I like didn't like them cooked. Like I hated parsnips and carrots mashed together. Oh, <laughs> and and but I liked them both raw. So my my my, my I thought my mom and dad were, were being fair in that. Uh, it, it meant that I got a different meal. But it really just meant that my mom didn't cook <laughs> my vegetables because I yep. left all most of mine raw. So I was still getting the nutrition and goodness mm. out of my meal, and it was slightly different. But uh, they cut me some slack on on not cooking. So I mean I I don't. I know a lot of people tell stories of having to sit at the table and they couldn't leave the table until they'd finished their meal um, or, or were forced in some other way. You know, maybe that's not a great way to go because it makes eating a, a, a negative experience exactly. for the child. Right? I would agree with but, that. But just not giving them an alternative, mm-hmm. not giving them, not making them a completely different meal. If you don't eat this dinner, that's fine. You know, the next meal's at six o'clock yeah. and we'll try again with something else with dinner. So I think within reason, you can be a bit flexible, but it should never be giving your child some sort of processed food as a substitute so for either. whole foods. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming tonight and having a chat with us. And uh, I look forward to we're going to be actually doing a podcast with your husband, Mm -hmm. Sebastian, soon regarding sort of health and fitness and and exercise and that sort of thing. So you two are the sort of the (laughs) the dynamic duo when it comes to health and wellness and nutrition and exercise. So I'm looking forward to talking to Sebastian. I'm looking forward to hearing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for for having me.
If you want more information on what was talked about on today's show, you can head over to the show page at deadsetonliving.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Dead Set on Living podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. That way you'll always be up to date whenever a new episode is released. As a listener, you are vital to the success of our show. By leaving a rating and review, you'll help us reach more people and continue to put out kick-ass content. Also, every time you leave a rating or review, a fairy in the forest will get its wings. But seriously, what you think is important to us and to the growth of our show. Until next time, live life and be well.